0: Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Rozil and today my guest is Eric Spiropolis, Digital Media Coordinator at Cronky Sport and Entertainment, currently covering the Denver Nuggets. I'm very grateful I had the opportunity to speak with Eric about his story because it is intense, it is excessive, uh, maybe that's not the right word, It is. It is. there's a lot. He did a lot of stuff before he even got his first full-time paying job. Uh, he wrote for multiple blogs including SB Nation and Fansided, he has created an, an incredible portfolio of content through a podcast he did for five years. He created, as I said, articles. He's in the process of finishing a book. He worked for multiple sports franchises and now works for the Denver Nuggets in literally his dream job, his words, not mine. So please take a listen to this episode to learn how to do things in sports media because he did everything correctly. He even created his own sports media site where other people were able to join and now had a great story of a gentleman going from where he was to now being the beat writer for the Houston Rockets at the Athletic so it's such an awesome story so please enjoy this conversation with Eric yes. Right, today's special guest, we have Eric Spyropoulos, digital media coordinator at Cronky Sports and Entertainment, which you're currently with the Denver Nuggets now. Writer for FanSided, SB Nation, The Ninety Four, which is what you were—you were the founder of. You worked with the Redskins for a little bit, doing social media and content creation. Your podcast host. You have a book, The Most Perfect Season. Uh, man, you're you're all over the place. I really appreciate you hanging out with me today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on the show.
0: No well, pleasure is. Pleasure's all mine, man. And uh, yeah, it's a weird time we're in, but we uh, we keep on grinding. We keep on creating content. I'm sure you're very well aware of that. And uh, yeah, man, really appreciate it. I mean, you've done so much stuff. I'm pretty excited for the conversation. But the first question I ask everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much?
1: Uh, I mean, the, my love of sports started at a young age, probably like elementary school. I loved playing sports, basketball, Um, tennis, soccer. Those are the ones that I really played when I was young and continued to play throughout like middle school and high school. So obviously the first thing I loved was the competition aspect um, of playing sports. Um, But right around um, late middle school, early high school, I kind of fell in love with the like front office side of sports um, like management, Mm -hmm. um, you know, how GMs would build teams, how they would negotiate trades, stuff like that. Um, So that just kind of grew my love of sports in a different direction. And then towards the end of high school, um, my love for sports writing and sports media developed. So then I had two main loves of sports, besides like just watching the competition, mm. everything, the drama, storylines, whatever. Um My love of the front office aspect, my love of of the media aspect uh, of sports kind of grew in two different paths that I tried to continue throughout college and and now into my career.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, there there are so many different paths. And that's the thing about sports is it's an industry, right? Like this is just an industry. And there's so many different opportunities and avenues you can go down, especially if you're not an athlete. There's still so many other things you can do. Obviously, playing is usually where most people start. uh, But I always think it's cool to kind of see how people got to where they got to. Too. and I guess like especially with sports media you know I grew up watching ESPN pretty much every day you know when I was 12 13 14 I'm sure you were very similar was that always you know when when you started to kind of fall into that routine a little bit more or really like start to pay attention to what was going on was sports media like was writing always something or was it you just wanted to talk about sports and this was an outlet to do it
1: um I mean, when I was in high school and kind of developed a love for sports media, I definitely was focused on writing. Um, I had a an English teacher for two years, my sophomore and junior year of high school, who kind of he she really distilled uh, instilled a passion for writing in general for me at the time. Um, and then I was kind of thinking, well, I love writing. You know, what's what's a way for me to kind of make this a real thing or, Mm -hmm. or or enjoy writing even more. And then I, you know, naturally made the connection. Oh, I can write about sports. Um, obviously I've been reading, you know, sports writers at that time, um, you know, well into high school. Um, so I wasn't like unaware of sports writing, but it was because I I had never really connected the dots of, Oh, I love reading these sports writers. I love writing. Oh wait, maybe I can also write about sports and do that, you know, on the side as a hobby, maybe as a career. Um, so writing was always kind of that first thing, but like you, I did, you know, when I was growing up, elementary, middle school, you know, would wake up, you know, have breakfast while mm-hmm. watching like Sports Center yep, or whatever, 100%. you know, catching up on whatever happened the night before. Because at that point I didn't have like smartphones or like, um, like my own like computer to go online and everything. Um, so it was kind of like a natural uh evolution i'd
0: say -hmm. yeah man it is it's insane um yeah i used to do that all the time i would just watch Mm -hmm. remember the days of espn news where it was just like a 30 minute block and they would just replay it for like six hours and i would sit there and watch all six hours like (laughs) it wasn't even a question dude (laughs) it It was always so fun and now obviously everything's totally changed with twitter with smartphones Mm -hmm. with just the updates right to my phone feature report and everything um it seems like most of the stuff especially in the beginning that you started writing on um was a lot of MBA. When did you? I guess you know. So you started doing a lot of this for school. When did you decide to kind of put it out there uh, onto the internet? And when did you start to, to start start to decide, I guess, to publish? You know what you were writing, not just do it for for fun.
1: Um, the first stuff that I published uh, in terms of my sports writing online was my own like personal blog. Um, that I started my junior year of high school, I think, or maybe sophomore year. And I would, at that point I was just blogging about like whatever my favorite teams were. It was like almost like every sport, like tennis, baseball, football, and of course, basketball, which is my favorite sport. Um, so I'd say that was the first stuff that I published online. Obviously no one really read it and I didn't really promote it cause I didn't, I don't think I had social media or I, I had like Twitter mm-hmm. maybe at the time, but didn't really use it. Um, I wasn't like aware of like publishing or promoting my own work at that point. So it was just on the internet for like, you know, family would like support me and they felt bad. Like they had to support me and read my articles. Um, And so then the first, after I graduated high school, um, this was the summer of 2015. I, I really wanted to look for an opportunity to kind of have a, at least some kind of a larger audience. And at that point, I was following the Houston Rockets for, for basketball. They were my favorite team. So I applied to write for Space City Scoop, which is the fan-sided Rockets blog. Um, and I did like an interview with the site editor at the time. And then I, I got the position. It wasn't really, it wasn't paid. It was just like a you know voluntary thing. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of those things were or still are. I'm not entirely sure how they run now, but, um, so I got that in summer of 2015 as I was transitioning from high school to college and and wrote, you know, a bunch of articles that summer, um, about the Rockets. I think my first article was, um, it was ranking Kevin McHale as a head coach in the NBA actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that was my first time I actually got published for, uh, what would be considered a potentially national mm-hmm. audience, I
0: guess. What was that like? I mean, that's got to be really cool just to have that opportunity um, to to get yourself out there a little bit more. I mean, you'd been doing it for a little while now, and as you said, it was pretty much just your family being nice at that point. But um, what was it like when you know, people you had no idea were like, hey, Eric, this is good. This is great. Thank you for doing this. Or no, you suck. Like, What, what was that kind of like?
1: It was uh, it was really cool. Um, It's still probably one of my favorite aspects of sports writing is that you know I can get my opinion out there to people, but then also I can hear what other people think. And obviously, you would hope that you know if they don't like it, they respond in a way that can actually like initiate conversation and not just like this sucks and they don't elaborate why they disagree. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, for that that first you know, those first couple articles where I was published on, on fan cited I, you know, I, at that point I was using Facebook a lot, like just to, you know, interact with people. I hadn't really gotten onto Twitter yet to use it that much. So I published those articles and I linked them to Facebook and I had a lot of friends and, you know, family friends like liked it. And, you know, they were so, you know, happy for me that, you know, I was actually getting published mm-hmm. somewhere and, um, that felt really good. And then, you know, when the um, Space City Scoop Twitter account would like tweet out the articles, I would retweet them and stuff and share thoughts. And, you know, some people would respond, you know, they thought Mikhail should have been ranked higher or lower or whatever. Uh, but that was, you know, that just gave me even more um, like fuel and passion yeah. for it. Um, because I think that almost like half of, of sports writing is almost like what people think about what you said. You know, you want to create a conversation and, and move forward from there
0: hundred mm-hmm, percent. And I think, it you know, that is just such a cool thing to have happen at you know, 18 years old for you. Um, and, you know, I always like to touch upon like how people broke into the industry. And, and obviously you've been doing, you did a lot of writing for a few years before you got your first article published again, like for a national or, or like a, from a, from a, not to say reputable source, not to say, you know, your, your blog spot wasn't reputable or anything, but, <laughs> well, you know, it's just. It wasn't exactly. <laughs> exactly. but You know what I mean? Like you, you're now a published you're now at a a published writer on a known brand through a known brand and now you have this opportunity as you said to create conversation and get people to to talk um And, you know, hopefully you didn't take like the, the, the super hot take route back then or, you know, even now, but, um, but you know, it's always nice, as you said, just to have a real conversation and just, I mean, it's sports, like none of us are right. Like that's the thing, like we're all wrong no matter what. So it's, it's just fun to talk about and fun to get going with that. So what was, um, you, you kind of described it a little bit, but especially with fan side and then moving on to SB nation. What was that? What was the process like? Like, how much did you show them all the content that you created? And then, you know, they had they're like, "All right, cool. Like, you're clearly you know what you're talking about." Or what was that process like to just kind of get introduced and into the system at that point?
1: Yeah, it was it was pretty much that. Um, It was you know taking some of the stuff that I had written um, in the past. And at that point, when I was applying for Space City Scoop, I didn't have much like. I didn't have that much sports writing, um, you know, to showcase. So I even, Mm -hmm. I think at that time I did show like other writing that wasn't sports related that I just done. Um, and would, you know, uh, would show them examples of work, um, sports related, non-sports related. I had that interview, like I mentioned, which allowed me to kind of talk about my passions, my experiences, writing styles, you know, what I want to do, what I want to cover, stuff like that. Um, And that was how I got Space City Scoop. And then obviously from there, it's almost a natural progression where after I was with Space City Scoop for a couple of months, I think it was um, October of of my freshman year at Syracuse, I saw that the Dream Shake, which was SB Nation's Rockets blog, which had a a much bigger following and, you know, was actually kind of a a well-known source for Rockets coverage, um, was looking to hire to look, to bring on people. Mm-hmm. And so I applied and obviously gave them a bunch of links from space city scoop because that I had actually written about the rockets for a published source at that point. So I passed those along, you know, Twitter profile. Um, I did like back and forth email conversations with the, the editor at the time, Ethan Rothstein. Um, and at that point they weren't, they were looking to bring people on, but they really, for me, because I had such little experience and they thought it would be better if I came on in a smaller role that was, my first um, responsibility for the Dream Shake was just doing daily links um, pieces. Every day it'd be Rocket Fuel, and it would be like links to other Rockets articles and coverage on the internet, because they need. They wanted to do it daily, but they didn't have someone to do it. So that's how I started with the Dream Shake. Of course, I grew in. I was there for like a year and a half. So I, I developed into do it covering games, writing features. Eventually, I just did everything writing-wise, but I did start almost at the lowest point that you could for one of those sources in terms of just doing daily links.
0: And that's really interesting because you were doing, you were writing the articles and you were doing things over at uh, space city scoop with fansided. And you, not to say you took a demotion, I guess, but you took like a lesser uh, a job of, with lesser responsibility because of the opportunity that clearly was going to come from it. Cause as you said, it, that's the SB nation. I mean, I follow a lot of SB nation sites for all my mm. teams. So, you know, it's just something where, there is a bigger audience and there's more opportunity for you to be seen, even though in the beginning you kind of have to like, get smaller before you can, I guess, grow some more.
1: Yeah, that's, that, that was definitely my mindset, too. It was, um, you know, once he said that they would try they would want to bring me on for daily links, you know, almost exclusively at first, um, I had to think about it for a little bit. Um, But then I realized that it's it's probably, you know, it's almost like a roller coaster, like you go down a little bit, but really, you're you really still are going up at the same time, because you're going to a a source with a larger following, um, bigger reputation, and you know, inevitably that you can grow within that source and not Mm -hmm. just stay at the same level of doing daily links pieces, you know, only so that was exactly. kind of my mindset in that but discussion.
0: you have you have to crush it at the daily links piece portion <laughs> before they're like all right cool now you can start covering games now you can start writing these articles and these features so you know it obviously is a, it's a process um and i guess like if you in the beginning you know going from one you know going from fan side to sb nation a relatively short period of time you're pretty young 18 19 years old as it sounds like at the time i mean what what do you like what's the best advice you could give to somebody that might be in that position right now in, in, in how to land those jobs or how to make sure that they're doing all they can because they eventually want to be, you know, a uh, Zach Lowe or maybe not Adrian Wojnarowski, Zach Lowe, we'll stick with Zach Lowe.
1: Yeah, well, Zach Lowe was also my inspiration too, just for yeah. the record. I um, love him. He's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I think he's probably my favorite um, r- sports writer to read. But um, in that situation, I think um, the main thing is, is, is one, to, also, to put yourself out there. I think sometimes people write, like almost like I did with my personal blog and and maybe just have a a reservation about, you know, applying to write for one of these sites. Um, You know, if it's a team specific site, if it's covering a a league overall, whatever fan site, SB nation, one of those, I think a lot of times people are a little bit hesitant to do that. Um, I say, do not, absolutely do not just apply. um, And, you know, you might be accepted to write and then you're you're kind of in and you can can grow from there. You'll have resources that within that source that can help you editors, et cetera, other writers who are more experienced. Um, And then if you get rejected, it's not the end of the world because you can continue to write, continue to grow. Maybe you find a different passion or or a different um, area that needs more coverage. Um, and can kind of go into that lane. So I think that there's nothing wrong with, there's absolutely no downside, I think, to applying for one of these sites. Uh, And that was my mindset in summer of 2015, applying for Space City Scoop, was that I like doing this. I want to write about the rockets. Here's a source, you know, I would consider probably the lowest level of like a national audience that I could apply for. And I applied and went through a little bit of a process and got there and then obviously started growing and using the resources around me to continue to get more experience. So, the first thing is, is just to apply and put yourself Mm -hmm. out there. And then the second thing is if you do get accepted into one of those sites is to use the resources around you. I relied on the editor at space City scoop. I relied on Ethan um, who was the managing editor of the dream shake at the time um, in terms of, you know, the best way to do the daily links um, you know, how I can grow into doing more coverage and and things like that. Um, Asking questions, asking for, for help in terms of like editing and, Um, you know, resources on what to read to get better. So I'd say two things is one, to always put yourself out there in terms of your writing. Um, And two is if you do get accepted, if you do get these early experiences, especially when you're early on, is to use the resources around you to grow, gain more exposure and just become a little bit more well-versed in in the Mm -hmm. sports media landscape, I'd say.
0: That is awesome advice. Um, always utilize your resources wherever you are. I mean, that's just good life advice, right? Like what's the, what's the harm? You're in the exact same spot if you apply for the job and they say no, right? You could just yeah. keep doing your same thing. And maybe in six months after you accumulate more articles, after you accumulate more content, then they could say, okay, cool. No, this, this is yeah. good. Now, now we can bring you on again. So no, that's, that's great advice, man. I love it. And then, so you also, during that time, or at least very close to it, you started podcasting as well. So you, it sounded like you always wanted to be a writer. You realize there's this other medium. I mean, you started in 2015, 2016 with the podcast. I mean, that's a long time ago. Um, considering in the last couple of years, what this industry has, has turned into, what was the reason for, for wanting to talk into a microphone as well as, you know, punch the keys a lot as, uh, uh, as well.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, so around, it was, um, September, October of 2015 is when I started the podcast. Um, And at that point I had started to catch on to other NBA podcasts and I just enjoyed the conversation that you can have um, with people. And I I enjoyed that. It's kind of another platform to get your, your thoughts out there, which I think all the sports media people want to do is they want to get their thoughts to the public and have back and forth dialogues and and things like that um, and do research and, you know, everything like that. So I just kind of realized that, you know, if I can, you know, get the resources, you know, get a little cheap little microphone that I can plug into my computer and, and, and do the research, which I love doing. I love looking up stats and formulating opinions on that, whether it's written or audio form. Um, so I started the podcast in, and it was late September of 2015. Um, I called it the 94 feet report because at the time and still today, Patrick Beverly, who was on the Rockets, uh, was my favorite basketball player. And he, his nickname was Mr. 94 feet. So then I naturally used that as inspiration for the podcast name, the 94 feet report. Um, So I did that. Unfortunately, I was a little bit inconsistent with posting it during that freshman year of college because transitioning to college was a lot to handle um, and other things were going on that I I just kind of missed on on my podcast a decent amount. Um, I'd say I posted like one or two episodes a month um, and, you know, every every other month I might have missed an episode or two. Um, but that was my start in podcasting. I would invite some guests on that I had known, whether it be other writers or people, fantasy basketball experts and, and things like that, to be on the podcast. And I continued doing that basically in conjunction with me changing my writing opportunities, as you obviously can see on my LinkedIn and resume is that I kept changing writing opportunities, but the podcast kept going. And eventually, which maybe we can get to in a little bit later, if we're going like chronologically is the podcast merged with writing and kind of my passion for management and leadership into the 94 that I founded. But the podcast itself was just me discovering a new platform to share my opinions and do research and just trying to execute
0: it and that's that's media right there's multiple different mediums to do it it sounds like writing was kind of always in your blood um and now this new thing comes along you gotta at least try it out right like what's the harm in trying it out (laughs) so you know you you get it together you have some good ideas for it um i mean honestly just starting a podcast and being slightly consistent with it your freshman year of college is incredible i think that alone is a feat so Good. Congrats on that one. Because I mean, I didn't start getting good at being consistent with this until recently. So uh, you were well ahead of the game, man. And it, it clearly shows. Um, but definitely, yeah, we'll, um, what's your, uh, you know, having those conversations is fun. And how did you, I guess, especially in the beginning, how did you differentiate what you would say or, or the conversations you would have on the podcast versus what the articles that you were writing were going to be about? Or, or how similar did they get?
1: Um, They stayed. I mean, so what I wanted to do with the podcast is because at that point and even later on um, over the years, I was still focusing on covering single teams at a time. So at this point when I started the podcast, I was still exclusively covering the Rockets um, for the Space City Scoop and then transitioned to the Dream Shake like right after starting the podcast. So I figured if I'm covering the Rockets in terms of writing – I would like to make the podcast and and really I wanted the podcast to be a national NBA podcast anyways, because I just, I love the NBA and basketball so much that I I didn't only watch the Rockets. I didn't only read about the Rockets. I would watch other games, read stories about other teams, other players. So I just wanted to do the research um, and have those conversations about the NBA overall, because I knew I was getting, you know, plenty of Rockets stuff done at the, at the Dream Shake, and I was watching all of their games, so it was enough Rockets for me, but uh, I wanted to cover the NBA overall, and one, because it was my passion, two, because it was a way for me to show that I can cover the league overall and, and don't just focus on one team, make me a little bit more diverse in terms of my experiences and, and, and my ability to cover a league or, or just know about other teams and other players to show that I'm a little bit more well-rounded than just the Rockets perspective. So that was the reason why I made the podcast a national MBA podcast and mainly stuck to covering single teams during my writing experiences.
0: And that makes sense. Um, it's a lot easier to have a conversation about a national, have that national conversation because you can kind of just hop around a little bit writing. It would be very kind of confusing if you're like, all right, let's talk about the Rockets for four sentences. And then, oh yeah. And then the Clippers and then, oh yeah, you know, the Lakers, you know, that, that could start to get a little crazy and kind of ha- having that be concise makes more sense in my opinion. Um, and then, yeah, just being able to have those conversations about just the whole league in general and see what's going on. I I like the um, way you thought about that.
1: I would also add that having it be a national NBA podcast where I didn't focus on one single team made it easier to invite and have guests on the show because I didn't want to limit who I could have on. If I was, if I was only doing a Rockets podcast, I couldn't have, you know, writers or other media members for the other 29 teams really. Um, mm-hmm. because they're not covering the rocket. So I wanted to make it national to, one, for myself, but two, to make it also easier to have um, more exposure in terms of having a different variety of guests on.
0: Different variety of guests exposure, but also the, that, those resources, right? Now you're able yeah. to reach out to these people, create a relationship with them, and, the, and they're a resource to you, and you could be a resource to them. Again, just growing your network more within the space that you're clearly trying to work in. So I think that's a great idea. So anyone out there listening, just, I mean, just steal it just just steal how eric did everything and you'll probably end up being successful one of these days it might take a little while but i think it's a great idea and then so when um when did you start the 94 i guess like the the whole the entity
1: yeah so the 94 i started um may of 20 well i started the the um brainstorming on the idea mm-hmm. in like april and, and may of 2017 okay um at that point, I had done a, a decent amount of writing. I had the podcast going. Um, I was about to uh, internship for the postgame, um, com, which is a sports kind of lifestyle website. Um, and I was sitting there and I really wondered if there was a way that I could maybe take my podcast or take everything and lump it together. And, and main, my main goal was to create a platform for other people who were in a situation that I was in in 2015, who were good writers who liked to write, loved the NBA, but didn't have a platform to share their thoughts. Mm-hmm. That was my main inspiration for starting it. Um, and so what I did was I um, basically just kept posting around social media. Uh, I posted on like all the platforms, Facebook, Twitter, um, Reddit. I would go into Reddit, like team Reddit boards and ask if people wanted to write. And um, we just promoted as much as possible. And I wasn't expecting much feedback because at that point, point i was not well known as a writer or a podcaster at all um like people knew of me i guess and might have read an article or two that i had written from here or there but so i wasn't expecting a big feed, uh response but i got plenty of responses i think you know we launched when we launched in june of 2017 um or technically we launched on july 1st 2017 the first day of nba free agency um mm. but we kind of had formulated everything by middle of June and we're just waiting to launch in July. Um, But when we launched, I think we had upwards of like 15 to 17 people on our staff in terms of writers. I had a couple, I brought on like one or two editors who could help in their free time. Obviously I had no money to pay these people. So I was always, always emphasizing that this is voluntary and, you know, I, I understand if you can't do it because you don't have the free time, you need money from other things. Um, but I still got enough people who were, you know, in school or just wanted to do it on the side and, and just kind of wanted to connect with other basketball fans and, and media members. So we launched with like a, a group of like 15 or 17 people, writers, editors, and then I served as kind of the manager, um, kept my podcast going. I didn't I exclusively did not write for the 94 for like the first year. Um, I wanted the other people to have the the writing and I would, I would help edit and publish and promote. I was like running our social media channels. And at that point I was still writing for other platforms and, you know, doing other things. So I wanted to keep myself more, more behind the scenes. Um, But that was the inspiration for it. When we started July 1st, 2017, continue to grow obviously with, when it's voluntary and people are doing it as a side hobby, we had a lot of people drop, drop, and we had a lot of additions. So our staff was kind of changing a lot, but we had a core group of like five to seven people that stayed with us for a while. And I'm still, you know, really well connected with them on Twitter and we still chat about random NBA things. And eventually I, I asked, um, one of them who was, his name is Corbin Ford, um, who was with me from the beginning of the 94. I just asked him in, um, November of 2017, right as the basketball season was getting underway to, to co-host the 94 Feet Report podcast with me because I wanted, instead of having to look for a guest every single week, which is, which can be kind of tiresome mm-hmm. and, and hard, I wanted to have a co-host so I knew that every single week when we recorded or twice a week when we recorded that we would have a natural conversation and back and forth. So that was kind of the background of the 94 and the inspiration for it and grew it for a couple of years before I landed my current job and had to kind of um, – Step away from the ninety-four.
0: Mm-hmm. That is awesome, though. I mean, again, you you did this for other people, which I think is awesome. You know how you got your you know shot in the beginning, where someone was like, "Yeah, sure, man. You know, we'll let you you know, write a couple of articles. It's gonna be for free, but you know, it's the experience that you're gonna get from it." Um, you essentially created your own media website you did create a, a media platform uh you managed it you ran it and you did everything for it i think that is incredible you probably didn't make too much money if anything from it at all um so you put in all your time it was voluntary for you as well and it's just cool that you gave so many other people an opportunity because that is how the sports world works you have to do a lot of free stuff before someone's gonna say hey i'd love to pay you to do this
1: yeah, that's, that's, that's really one of the most unfortunate parts of like sports media is that there's so many people out there who want to do it. So things end up you know, having to be done for free if you want to get some kind of exposure. But what happened was at that point, I was really starting to, to like fall in love with Twitter and, and, and follow a lot of writers. And you know obviously, other people would retweet people that I'd never heard of and read their articles on some of them were on their personal blogs. And it was at that point I also realized just how many good writers are out there that don't have any exposure or just do it for their free time. You know, people that are really good with, you know, advanced numbers or doing their own kind of data analysis and then writing about it. Um, People who write more about the storyline aspect of it. I just realized that there were so many talented people there that if I could just create a platform for them to just post and then try and promote it as much as I could, it would maybe help them maybe help myself in terms of just meeting new people and having people to talk about the MBA with. Um, so that was kind of the inspiration is just how much, how, how many talented writers I realized were out there behind the scenes that just needed some kind of platform, no matter how small it was. And obviously when we started, we weren't huge, but eventually we did start growing and, you know, I would, the writers that I'd grown to know over the previous couple of years at DreamShake and everything I would ask them to help, you know, promote it or if read this and see if it was good. And eventually we got to a point where, you know, Daryl Morey, we read our, one of our articles about Trevor Ariza and retweeted it on his Twitter account. And so the, the power of social media is that you know, your platform might be really small, but if one person reads it and likes it and they retweet it. And then, you know, the Rockets general manager sees it, reads it, likes it and retweets it. And then, you know, you got your story out there to thousands of people. So it, it doesn't really matter how small the platform is, but it matters, you know, that you do it, you put in the work, you enjoy doing it, and then you promote it in a way that, you know, other people can see it just by the nature of social media.
0: 100%. That is awesome. I mean, having Daryl Morey retweet something about Uh, you know, Trevor Ariza, who was on the Rockets, I presume at the time, I mean, that is absolutely Mm -hmm. fantastic. And yeah, if I I assume that article itself got a pretty big spike in traffic, uh, to say the least, but I think that that's really cool. And, And again, it's so true. Like it is unfortunate that a lot of this stuff does have to be done for free. But you know, it's a supply demand thing. So many people want to do it. The supply is so, so high. And the demand is so, so high that they can you know sports entities can get away for from doing this for free and it's you know it's, it's unfortunate but it's it's just something we got to live with right
1: yeah it really is unfortunate but and one other story i'll share about the 94 um and the dream shake in a way is that this was also around the summer of 2017 may june of 2017 um this writer emailed me actually uh found my personal email and emailed me asking if i could help him um write for the dream shake because he wanted to cover the rockets and he was based in houston And so I, at that point, I think I I had just left um, the dream shake recently. And so I just put him in touch with Ethan, again, the managing editor at the time and um, told him to, you know, you could let him know that I passed you along. And then I also mentioned to him in my response that I'm starting a a website to cover the NBA, the 94, at that point it was 94 feet report. And we we were, we, we, we rebranded it in 2018 um, to the '94, but so then I mentioned that I was starting this platform. If he wants to write, you know, he could send me a sample or two, and and we can go from there. And he did, and then I brought him on the '94. The Dream Shake also brought him on to cover the Rockets, um, and so he was with us at the '94. He was the one who wrote the story about Trevor Rees that got retweeted by Daryl Morey. Um, and now you fast forward to today, and he is the um, Rockets beat writer for the Athletic. His name's Kelly no Nico. Yeah. So. Um, Kelly and I go back a couple of years where I, I, I wanted to help him because I read his work and I was like, I mean, this guy is really, really good. He needs to be published somewhere. So I, I wanted to help him get a, a land um, writing opportunity. The Dream Shake, I invited him to write for the 94. And, you know, I think a year and a half later, after all that, he was working for The Athletic. That's how good he is as a writer. So that that was another aspect of of how good it felt to create a platform and, and help others that worked Clearly, super talented writers that just needed a, a little bit of exposure, and then I knew that they were going to go, you know, far with this.
0: That is awesome, and and you make a, I mean, that is a fantastic story. That was going to be my question. You like, did you guys have any uh, have any like uh, graduate? I guess, and, and clearly <laughs> you did, and I think that that is so cool, and that you had a huge hand in it. Not just from an introduction and going back to those resources that we've brought up, you know, making sure you stay in contact with these people. The network is is very very useful and necessary, but the fact that you gave them an opportunity you know that's all a lot of people need is an opportunity and hey maybe it's for free for a little while but clearly if you're good enough the athletic's gonna find you at this point um (laughs) and they will they will find you and they will take you which i think is awesome i love the athletic they're fantastic um it's just so cool that is just such an awesome awesome story that like that's got to make you feel just fantastic inside right
1: yeah it really it really was great once i like once he had tweeted and let me know that he was going to join the athletic, I think he joined, you know, part-time first and then grew into their main beat reporter. But um, once he let me know that I was just so happy and it's just kind of crazy that, you know, it was just less than three years ago. I mean, it's going to be three years ago this summer that, you know, he had never really been published anywhere and was emailing me at my Yahoo email to see if, you know, I could help him in any way. And now he's the beat reporter for the athletic on the Rockets. you know, 12,000 Twitter followers. He's breaking news of signings and Mm -hmm. everything. So he's super talented, you know, probably one of the best writers out there in, in my opinion. Um, at this point, And I was just happy to to get to know him on the early stages before he kind of rose to the stardom.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely make sure to have him on your podcast soon too, just so <laughs> you, you can get that little extra bump as well. But um, no, man, I think that that is awesome. And yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've done you've, you did so much. And you're still in college at this point, if I'm not mistaken, right? Or like I, barely I, out?
1: No, I was still in college. I had um, the when I started the 94 feet report, um, I was about to enter my so I just finished my sophomore year of college so I was between my sophomore and junior years.
0: So yeah, you're doing all of this in college still. Um that is incredible man. You created a media platform to allow others uh this opportunity and again you you have some pretty cool stories from it so I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. What um so you have you have a podcast, you have all this writing opportunity, you're running a media platform. I mean like all of this and you're like 20 years old. So again, kudos on everything you've done before you even get your first real, um, real job paying Mm -hmm. full time paying job. Um, So along the way, you actually, you had a pit stop. uh, You worked for the Washington Redskins. It looks like for like a summer doing social media. Um, What the heck are you talking about in the summer about the Rossington Redskins through their social media accounts? Like what was that experience like?
1: Yeah. So um, I found it, it was actually really, really challenging for me to get summer internships when I was in school. So in 2017, I was, you know, I was, you know, searching and searching and searching. And eventually at like the last minute, like I had already returned from Syracuse for the end of the spring semester. And that's when I finally got accepted to intern with the the postgame.com, which I was kind of, I was a a social media. I wrote like an article or two and just kind of did research for them. Um, And that was when I was launching the 94 feet report and and doing other writing. and again, the next summer, the 2018, after my junior year, I was again searching and searching for internships. Obviously I wanted to do writing and you know cover sports, but again, at this point I was still, you know, I don't wanna say desperate enough, but still wanting to make sure that I don't limit myself in any opportunity. So I interviewed for the Redskins position and didn't hear back for almost like a month. So I just, I just assumed that it was you know done. And then it was like the last week of school at Syracuse, I got a, an email saying I got accepted for a social media position, not even a writing position. And at that point, you know, obviously I've been doing social media for like the 94 feet report accounts and my own accounts, but that wasn't really my area. I was more of a writer. You know, I like to, you know, think things through, process them out, not really, you know, the quick kind of social media mind. Um, But the position was for social media It was for an NFL team. So I was not going to pass it up. I had to to take it. Um, And I did. And I, you know, I was just working on writing copy for their, their stuff they actually I was sitting in the room it was their digital media room and it it had the social media team and also had the team website writers there and there were actually two interns that were writers for the website and then obviously they had you know one or two full-time people Um, but it was funny that I was sitting next to people that were doing more of my work in terms of writing and I was sitting in the social media kind of chair, I guess, and and reading their articles and then thinking of ways to write copy for it for social media, which is like almost the opposite of what I had done previously. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what made it kind of cool in a way is to pick up more experiences. And I do love social media. So I would um, basically I would, you know, write copy about stuff. You know, we, we ended up using a lot at that point, they switched social media managers like midway through my internship. So that kind of threw everything for a loop. And I got a lot more responsibility in terms of like my copy was going to be used for the, the team accounts and went to training camp and I ran the team Snapchat account would like live stream their press conferences um, and just picked up whatever I could um, social media wise and obviously that has also helped me i think that also helped me in terms of my resume I think it helped me in terms of my experiences and skill set and to this day really does help me a lot because now my position is kind of a, a mix of writing and social media so that was um, it was definitely a, a divergence from my path, but also I think a really good one in the long term, you know both in terms of my interest and passion, but also my experiences and, and what I could do you know in my career
0: exactly because now you can take what you learned there and apply it to everything that you're doing right You learned a lot more of that as you said, you were doing it all already, but now you're learning from a gigantic organization you know a professional football team how to do it what they're doing and more importantly why they're doing what they're doing um you can then take that experience as you said it's kind of like as it's kind of like a little bit of a loop off the path you kind of took like this little like horseshoe uh but you're right back on the path again and now you can take that information and run even faster with it and and push all of your information and push all the things that you're trying to do out even further
1: Yeah. And it also gave me experience working for a team instead of working for an independent news outlet, um, which obviously now I work for a team as well. So getting that experience of, you know, being behind the scenes, um, you know, having exposure to things that the public doesn't know, working with the PR staff, that's obviously really important in sports. Um, so that also really helped me for my current position in terms of working from that team aspect and that perspective, rather than only sticking to covering things from the outside. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, that that is super cool, though. I mean, it's unfortunate it was with the Redskins, me being a Giants fan. But hey, I mean, I guess it could be, <laughs> no, I kid. Um, you also wrote a book, too.
1: We're currently in the process. It uh, hasn't been published okay, yet. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: So you're currently, so tell us about that process because I'm actually currently in the process of writing a book too. It's some days it's so easy and other days it sucks. So yes. but, um, tell me a little bit about what you're doing and why you're doing it.
1: Um, so, really, what happened was um, towards the end of my sophomore year, so again, around the same 2017 time. Um, my one of one of our professors from the Syracuse Sport Management Department, who I had not had for a class, but he was the faculty advisor for the um, basketball analytics club that I was a part of at Syracuse, um, and he just emailed me out of the blue. We we knew each other, you know, fairly well, but not you know extremely well. But he emailed me, kind of explaining he has a an a economics background, um, so that's where he where he camp comes from, and he was writing this. Um, he, he had he was in the email. He basically was like, "I developed this new advanced statistic that I think we can use to evaluate MBA performance um, over the years." Um, I've written you know some of it, you know, 30 percent of it. He attached the the draft manuscript of it. And at that point, he was like, "But I've I've noticed and I saw your profile on LinkedIn that you do a lot of writing. I've read your articles. Um, you know, hoops habit at that point. I was writing for um, the Dream Shake, etc. I had podcasted." And he said he really enjoyed my writing, and so then he asked if I wanted to help him finish writing the book. Um, in which case, I said yes because at that point, <laughs> yeah. I, at, at that point, I still hadn't secured the internship with the post game, so I really wasn't sure what I was going to do in the summer in terms of like a resume builder. Um, and I was writing, and it's writing about the NBA, um, and I was just intrigued about what kind of statistic he had created. Um, and so we started working on that. And a lot of stuff got in the way. It's why it hasn't been published yet. There's a lot of life things. You know, he's a professor, so he has to write. He wrote, he has written other textbooks and I've obviously done other things, Redskins and then my current job and everything, but we are done writing it. Um, We're close to the end of actually the editing stages and we're talking with publishers now um, about it. So it's been pretty exciting. It's been a, it's a daunting task, Um, but I was really happy to get the opportunity because, you know, he writes in, a, in an academic style, um, given his background, which mm-hmm. is obviously really good and really informative, especially when you're writing about introducing a new advanced statistic that uses these really complicated, well, not really complicated, but somewhat complicated formulas, you know, to the average basketball fan, I'd say. Um, and whereas I came from writing from more of the conversational style, obviously I I loved and still do love including advanced statistics in my writing, um, just as background and context and facts. But I had more of a conversational tone as well with my writing, just writing for fan-sided, espionation and things. So I liked that I was able to blend both his academic perspective and my um, conversational uh, perspective to make it more of a a flowing book, Mm -hmm. I'd say.
0: Mm -hmm. And so are you allowed to tell us what that statistic is? No, I don't. Uh, I don't. Mind.
1: <laughs> Definitely don't want to say that yet. All right.
0: All right. We'll, have all right. To, we'll just we'll have,
1: buy the book. Yeah, we need everyone a reason to buy the book and to learn what the statistic is. <laughs> That's
0: true. And we need another reason. to I mean, I'm sure we could find another reason to bring you on this show. But uh, Press Junket, man, you got you got to learn about that Press Junket. That's so true. you get to do 100 interviews in like 25 days soon. Hopefully you get, <laughs> get the word out. But no, man, I mean, I think it's such a cool opportunity. I mean, the the thing about books now, or at least kind of in the age of the Internet, it's more to. Get your information out there. Show people that you're capable. And now you can say you're a published author. Obviously, you did all that research. And I'm actually really curious and, and want to understand more. I do love, you know, I'm a huge baseball fan. So advanced statistics mm-hmm. are, I mean, money ball. You, you can go on and on and on. There's, yeah. I'm all about that stuff. Some of it, I think, is a little over the top. But, you know, it's, it's still nice to know and understand. And, again, it gives you a way to... I don't want to say frame an argument, but it gives you more information when making those decisions, as you say, because you can utilize those statistics in a conversational way to say, hey, I believe this. This is why I believe it. And here's just a little bit of information to back it up. Take it or leave it.
1: Yeah, that's that's my perspective. I mean, one, I love using numbers. But two, the other reason I like it is because it's it's just a way to like lay the facts out in a way Mm -hmm. that people can't like oh, you're stupid, you're wrong. I'm just like, well, all I did was list factual information numbers, not even my own opinion. So I think it's a way for, obviously, you want to have opinion in your articles too, but in a way to either supplant your opinion or support it in a very kind of straightforward way is just to put the facts, the statistics mm-hmm. out there. Because you really, I mean, some people in today's age probably will argue with facts, but usually you really can't argue with facts and stats and things that are just on the screen so that's another reason why i love doing that in my writing um in support of my opinion and everything
0: it's crazy how people argue against facts sometimes (laughs) hey i guess that is what it is and what was what was the process and what was like the the interviews or he had to do with all the research i mean obviously as you said it took a little while life kind of gets in the way but when you're in it like what was that whole process like and and how cool was it when you finally you finished it and you're like all right like we wrote a book. Now, obviously, you have to edit it and do all, you know, drafts and everything. But, like, what was what was that, like, just the process of writing an entire book like?
1: Um, it was – so our book is a little bit different in that it's, like, it's a report, basically. Um, we, don't, we don't interview, like, subjects, or, or we don't really okay. go, like, we didn't talk with the players that we – so we use the advanced statistic to basically come up with, like, the 15 best seasons in NBA history, especially some that are underrated. So we don't interview those players or anything because we're talking about, you know, the great – you know, some of the greats of all time. We're not going to call Michael Jordan and ask him for an interview for this book that no one has ever heard of. But so it was – in that way, it was more of, like, Okay, I would have to sit down and do the research on this player, um, read about that player season, because we would go back into like the 80s and 90s stuff that I was not alive for. Um, so I had to read, you know, research about that, look at the numbers, you know, see what this see what this new advanced statistic that the professor had come up with says about that player season, and then take all of that and write a chapter about it. Um, so trying to pull quotes from, you know, writers who wrote about that player at the time, obviously including information in terms of stats and creating tables and, and everything that conveyed, you know, that player's season or the background of that player, etc. So we had 15 of those chapters that were focused on players. Um, they're not very long though. So we're not writing like a 600 page book, but there were 15 like short, you know, chapters about the players. We had a couple of introduction introductory paragraphs about, previous advanced stats that kind of were heavily used to create the new one, um, like win shares and, and things like that. Um, And so we had introductory paragraphs like that. So all in all, it was probably like, you know, 18 or 19 chapters. And we kind of split it up, you know, 50, 50. And it was basically about, you know, I would take a couple of days, do the research, write it, edit the, edit the chapter, you know, send it back to the professor. He'd, we, we kind of exchange chapters and then continue adding them to the overall, the main draft and then go from there. So again, we were, we we're off and on in terms of writing it because of other things that came up, but the process was, you know, very research heavy and then mm-hmm. taking that research and writing it for other people to read and, and learn.
0: And that's, that's kind of cool. I think, that, again, the professor had a really interesting way of going about it. As you said, he has a very academic approach, you have more of a conversational base. And, and there's probably a very sweet spot in that Venn diagram that allows, hey, we can get this information across and people can learn and understand what we're trying to do in a way through, hey, look at all these seasons. Hey, look at all these athletes and these these players and how they did it and how this statistic would have looked back then or how it looks now. So I think that's really cool. And yeah, excited. Um, do you guys know give or take when the book's going to be coming out or is it still kind of up in the air at this point?
1: It's still pretty up in the air, but we are really close to the end of the editing process and, and have been in conversations with, with potential publishers. So, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully maybe like summer or maybe like late early fall. I'm not entirely sure, but hopefully that's my hope.
0: I'm crossing my fingers for you, man. Hopefully. Um, before the next season, by the end of this one, whatever the heck happens, we'll see exactly. what we're doing. Oh. Hopefully, sooner rather than later, let's go with that. Um, so mm-hmm. that's awesome, man. So again, you're, you've are you been writing articles since for the last five years, it looks like. You've been podcasting essentially for the last five years. You've had multiple internships. You've done social media. You're in the process of finishing You know, and publishing a book. You've written it, now you're publishing it. And now we finally get to your first full-time job. Look at that. You did all of that before you got, and it's funny when I reached out to you, you're like, I don't know. Like I've only been working for like a year. Like, I don't know what you can talk to me about. I was like, I don't know. I'm pretty confident there's a couple things people can learn from your story. And again, just getting to dive deeper and deeper into it. There is a lot that people can learn. So now you're working for the Nuggets. You know, as I said before, Kroenke uh, Sports and Entertainment. So he owns the the Rams. He owns the Nuggets. I think he owns another team, if I'm not mistaken, as well.
1: Yeah, he owns the Colorado Avalanche, the okay. hockey team, and the um, Rapids, the MLS team as well. Okay,
0: very cool. Yeah, so he's all over the place. He does a lot of stuff. So shout out shout out to Sam Kroenke. Hopefully he retweets this. That might be really good <laughs> for what I'm doing. But um, no, I mean, like what – um. How, how easy was that interview? Like how, how much did you just crush it when you're just like, you just show they're like, oh yeah, send us your portfolio. You mean, oh, this last five years of all these things <laughs> I did. Yes, please, please check it out. Like how, how confident were you in going? And did you, I, was, I assume this was not the only job you applied for too. So did you kind of have your pick of the litter at that point? Oh, absolutely not. It was actually
1: probably the <laughs> entire, it was probably the complete opposite I'd say. So I actually graduated Syracuse early because I had AP credits from high school and I took a summer course Um, abroad that helped me kind of be a semester ahead. And so the final 12 credits of our sport management degree had to be a capstone internship. And I was gonna do that in the fall of 2018, but I got the the Redskins internship in the summer and I emailed my advisor and basically asked him, you know, will I be able to get enough hours to do the capstone in the summer? And he said, yes. So then I graduated at the end of that internship, which was um, end of August. Uh, went back to New York city, which is where I'm from um, basically like September 1st, 2018 and was unemployed and was just applying to so many jobs. I, I first wanted to try and see if I could do something with basketball. So I applied for a couple of jobs with the NBA at the league offices did, did um like, I'd say I did like, you know, five hours of interviewing for this position at the NBA league office. That was um, basically like responding to fans fan inquiries, um, you know, working for like the commissioner's office where you would reply as if you were the commissioner almost, but as part of his team and and just responding to all and any and all fan inquiries, which isn't exactly the writing that I had done or wanted to do. But again, I was at that stage where I've got to get in the door somehow and I'll be working for the NBA. I'll be living in, you know, around New York City. So that's where I'm from. And, you know, that'd be ideal. Fortunately, did not get that one. Um, applied for a different position, um, in their social media team, um, at the Secaucus office in New Jersey. Um, didn't get that one either. Then I started applying for, you know, sports like marketing firms or just things that were sports related that were jobs. Um, I didn't want to be unemployed for a long time. Um, didn't get any of those. And so, I, and I was doing writing on the side, obviously, cause I still love doing it and i at that point, I was making a you know, very, 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 very little amount of money on the writing that I was doing, but it was still something um, to like, cover lunches and things like that. Thankfully, I could stay at home during this period. Um, so I was unemployed for basically from uh, graduating after my internship to beginning my job with the Nuggets. I was unemployed for around five and a half months. Um, wow. I my first int, my first interview with the so I, I found the Nuggets listing on Teamwork Online, uh, it was very well known sports mm-hmm. job site and um, I applied and I was I put the cover letter you know and I, and I had been applying to so many jobs that it was really getting kind of um, tiring to do these cover letters and you know all this stuff and you you really do feel um, kind of you know. I would say rejected. You feel down in -hmm. in the dumps, you know, getting close to jobs like I did with the NBA league offices and then getting rejected for things. Um, And so I, I applied and I I was like the the listing was for a writer for nuggets.com, which is basically what I wanted to do Um, was one of my two main dream jobs, you know, back in high school was either writing, covering a team for an independent outlet or writing for the team itself. And so I was applied and I, I didn't feel great because at that point I had been through like two or three months of kind of rejection. Um, but my first interview was over the phone, obviously in um, December 26th, the day after Christmas. And then I interviewed there, had a second phone interview two weeks later, and then they wanted to meet me in person. So I flew out to Denver in the last week of January, 2019 and did a like an eight hour day of interviewing with like 15 people in their organization. Um, People in my current department, people in the PR staff, people in the the Nuggets front office, just because I was only going to be there for two days. I had to get all those interviews done in one time, basically. Um, So I interviewed with that many people on that day and went, flew back home and I felt really good At, at that point. I felt like I did really well in the interviews. My doubt, my concern was that my resume was, not professional enough in terms of like my writing opportunities were like fan sided SB They weren't like, you know, great sources. Um, and I had a a Redskins internship, but besides that didn't have much in terms of working in professional sports. So my doubt, my concern was that my resume wasn't going to be enough. Obviously I sent a bunch of my writing links to people who wanted to read them. And I thought the interview did really well. So I flew back home, didn't hear anything for a week and kind of got a little bit worried. And then, um, It was February 10th, I think, or 11th that I got a call saying I got the job. And then I started with the Nuggets on March 4th of 2019. So a five and a half month unemployment process, I was really, really hard to deal with. Um, But I landed here and thankfully i'm still here
0: (laughs) still here and that's the important part that's just crazy to me that you did this much and it still it still took that long um i mean it's it's that's just crazy to me you ran a media outlet essentially you you wrote for five years you've been podcasting for five years you've been and done all these things um that is just crazy to me but hey you're here now that's the important part um I mean, how much cooler could it be than hanging out with someone like me at 12 o'clock on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon, man? You clearly, you, you hit the top. Just, you know, cash the check now if you can. But so what, Um, so did you, so you got the writing job or what exactly are you doing for the Nuggets?
1: Yeah, so I mean, at the listing was for like a writing specific. Obviously the job description did say, you know, you, you can help with social media efforts, you know, help with some marketing efforts, um, things like that. And And that's looking back on it. I think that's kind of where my resume, although it might not have been not exactly super professional in terms of my experiences was uh, diverse enough. that gave them the confidence to say that this guy can help out in different areas. And actually, I remember, you know, when I was, the day I interviewed when I was interviewing, that's the day that the Knicks had traded Christoph Porzingis to the Mavericks. And I had not heard Actually, I was in the interview with the head of uh, the Nuggets PR and he had just, he was like, what do you think about this trade? And I, I'm someone who's like usually a lot on Twitter a lot and knows about when these trades happening at the time. But I had not looked at my phone because I was interviewing for a yeah. job, obviously. And I was like, "What trade?" And he was like, "The Knicks just traded Porzingis." And I was like, "Like, please give me the details." And I was supposed to be interviewing for this job, but I need to know the details of this trade. Um, so, like, some of our interview was like talking about that trade, which is pretty funny. But um, I remember after I finished interviewing, I texted. Um, my boss at, who was my boss at the Redskins who was the social media manager he's now the social manager of the of the New York Jets and um, I was texting him like what he thought about the trade and, and um, I, at that point I still hadn't known all the details and I was like how many picks did they give up uh, how many picks of the Mavericks because he's a Mavericks fan um, oh, okay. I, I was like how many picks did the Mavericks give up because that, that's going to impact how I feel about it and then uh, he said I was like because uh, I didn't know all the details because I had just finished interviewing for the this, this job with the nuggets. And he was like, Oh, that's cool. And that's when he was kind of saying that my experience with the Redskins might be a a big part in me getting the job because it's a clear social media experience for an NFL team. And looking back on it, I do think that that was really helpful in terms of my experiences and skill set. Um, but it was funny how I was texting with him and he kind of put it in my mind that maybe, um, Although I wasn't confident still at that point, I was like, maybe my resume is a little bit better or at least diverse enough to make, to make overcome the fact that it's not exactly super professional. So a mm. little um, antidote from my interview day.
0: <laughs> and, and it's pretty awesome that you get to talk to another NBA team about how dysfunctional the Knicks still and always <laughs> will be. I mean, that must've been, we don't have to, you know, I would love to be a fly on the wall. You don't have to give us any details, but I can only imagine some of the words that uh, you guys got <laughs> to laugh about and, and how they're always doing the wrong thing. Me being here in New York city um, or outside of the city, but um, you know, just listening to sports talk radio and just how, how much they hammer the Knicks, man. It's hysterical to me. I'm a Mets fan though. So it's like the exact same thing just the baseball, but it's uh, it's always interesting. So um, I don't actually think you told us what you do with the nuggets. I think you just told us the anecdote. So what, what exactly are you doing? Yeah.
1: So I did start off as a writer, basically like okay. almost exclusively just writing articles for the website. Um, and then obviously our staff has changed and I've picked up new things where Um, So we now, we have two writers um, for the Nuggets website Um, and we both, we're not only writers anymore. We, we, we over, we picked up like we post photo galleries to the website. We post videos to the website and our YouTube channel together. We split that up. And then recently, a couple months ago, I took over our Facebook page. So now, like I said before, it's kind of a mix of social media where half of what I'm doing is writing. And the other half is running the Nuggets Facebook page. And um, I tweet out some of our articles, obviously still put videos on YouTube and, the website and do photo galleries and stuff like that. So that's kind of what I do—a mix of writing
0: and social. So it sounds like exactly uh, exactly what you're saying. You know, a little <laughs> bit from what you got from the Redskins, you still get to do what you love, which is awesome. Is it weird? I mean, I know again with with the '94, you wanted to make it more national, so you had the opportunity to talk about other teams. I mean, always talking about the Rockets. Now switching over to the Nuggets, what was that like? I guess transition-ish like and and being able to pick up so much in a short period of time on who the Nuggets are, what they're doing, what they're trying to do and, and making sure you can kind of fit it into all of that narrative.
1: Well, the good thing is that the Nuggets were actually one of the, one of the most enjoyable teams for me to watch even like two years before I got this job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they became like a, an NBA league past like darling team for a lot of like NBA Twitter people. And so I was already watching a, a really decent amount of Nuggets games before I even got the job, um, which I don't think a lot of people did, um, but that was like, I knew even when I was going into the interview um, process with the team, I I didn't even have to really research the team that much. That's how much I knew about the team and the players and coaching staff and their style of play and everything. So that was really good that my passion, my love for basketball Mm -hmm. kind of already gave me um, insight into the team that I was applying to work for. Um, And then on the other time, the writing side, I actually had written about the Nuggets before joining to work for the team for um, hoops habit and some other website that was kind of, I only was there for like a month or two over the summer, but um, I had written some articles about the nuggets, which was good because I could send those directly to the, when I was interviewing. Um, and I had also moved away from covering the rockets exclusively by that point because I picked up um, I wrote for the SB nation Grizzlies website in twenty seven twenty eighteen 2018, uh, summer of 2018. Um, I had covered, you know, the Pelicans for a couple articles. I basically became a, a national NBA writer for Hoops Habit on Fansided by this point. So I would cover like a lot of different teams. So I had started branching out from Rockets to just, you know, other teams for a couple of months and then the, the league overall. Um, so that combined with just my passion for watching the Nuggets previously kind of gave me plenty of like uh, a, a head start, I guess you could say mm-hmm. in terms of interviewing yeah. and then starting to work for them.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's, that's the best way to do it. Again, you gotta, you kind of got to dip your toes in a couple different pools um, to make sure, especially in the beginning, right? Like obviously there's, there's somewhere you want to go and maybe that is to be Zach Lowe kind of thing where you get to talk about whatever the heck you want, whatever the heck you want because you're so knowledgeable and people appreciate what you do. But in the beginning, you really do kind of have to get a little diverse. You kind of have to make sure you're talking to a lot of different people and doing it in a lot of different ways and, and covering multiple different teams. And, and as you said, you, your, your passion for basketball was always there. So it wasn't just the Rockets. You could literally talk about just about any team at that mm-hmm. point, which I think is pretty cool. And it obviously, again, led you to where you are now. And, and one thing that I always like to touch upon, especially with people in sports media, especially people that work for teams is, you know, I like watching the games and you like watching the games. But when you're watching the games, you're working and I'm drinking beer on my couch. <laughs> so like, what is that aspect of it? Like, is, especially just coming out of school, only being, you know, out whatever it is to not even two years yet what is like that part of it like knowing that you know the games are on like you're also working still like as you said you're doing the social media you're writing these articles how how have you been able to really handle that aspect of uh the job
1: yeah uh it's like a lot of people you know friends family like oh you must be a nuggets fan now and i'm like well i'm not really a fan of any team i just it's my job so it's like you know think like we we made the playoffs last year um obviously we had a game seven against the spurs had plenty of you know big shots and big moments and it's just funny because like in the past if i was like a just a fan of the nuggets and you know I was in the arena for like you know jamal murray hit like a game ceiling that was awesome yeah um you know, I'd be going crazy, but, like, you you sitting there with, like, our, our, like, media team was, like, in the arena working, obviously, and we're just, you know, we're, like, typing at our computers, adding to our, our game recap story or something else, or, you know, in some cases, posting the social media, so it's, like, you, you couldn't tell, like, from our faces and our expressions that anything happened at all, um, but, yeah, so working in sports has basically removed me from, like, the fan aspect of it, which is a little bit, you know, a little sad because, obviously, some a part of every sports fan is just like loving the drama and the, you know, the big shots or, you know, clutch home runs or walk offs or everything like that. Um, and obviously I still watch sports and like cheer for things, but I'm not exactly a fan anymore of MB- any NBA team. Obviously I want the Nuggets to do the best because it impacts me directly in terms of my job and my mm-hmm. life. Um, but I don't root for them. Like we don't root during games or anything. We're, you know, professional. And, and so it's it's like you take yourself out of sports for a second um and thankfully my love of basketball is so strong that i just love the game itself i like mm-hmm. nerd out over basketball anyways so um i just don't have to like express it and be like a fan it's more of just like a- nerd a basketball nerd i
0: guess <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that exactly you could still enjoy the heck out of whatever you do and i think it's uh, i think that is one thing i hear a lot from from people that you know obviously you start liking sports because you're a fan and then once you do get into the actual working in sports sometimes you do have to remove your fandom a little bit um and i know that actually leads a lot of people to start watching other sports so they can kind of get that fixed so i'm curious to you are you watching a lot more well would you have watched more baseball did you watch a lot more football this past year and just kind of to make sure you kind of got that like emotional fix i guess to say
1: um yeah uh, i think i watched about the same amount i mean i always really did love the nfl growing up and actually for a couple of years the nfl or football was like my favorite sport and then basketball like slowly just like Mm -hmm. overtook it as my favorite um so i continued to watch a lot of a a good amount of nfl um and tennis and and other things so i I definitely get enough of Mm -hmm. my fix in, in terms of watching other sports that I can kind of cheer for um, just so I can keep myself a little bit, you know, I guess, sane as like a sports yeah, fan. In exactly. The background.
0: Yeah, exactly. And as you said before, like, it's nice when the Nuggets do, do better and do well. I mean, it's probably easier for your job like, to cover <laughs> the Nuggets who are, you know, uh, like the last few years, one of the top two, three, four teams in the West, which is nice and essentially in the league um, than it is, you know, to cover like, you know, just some of these, like, like the Phoenix Suns, like that's yeah. got to just be brutal you can't even really enjoy the basketball aspect of it. I mean yeah every once in a while Devin Booker goes off for 50 but still it's just like uh, another night and another son's loss like that's not. no one wants to watch a losing team consistently so that is also probably a little bit nicer and don't worry off screen I'll ask you if you're still a Rockets fan I won't tell anybody (laughs) um, but I'll make sure to do that off screen and um I guess then like what with with everything you 've done so far in like such a short period of time, essentially you know in the last five years you've you've been able to accumulate this incredible resume with you know multiple sports franchises well known you know top you know ten fifteen in the in the country sports franchises, all these articles that you 've written, all the podcasts that you 've done, what is your you know, ultimate goal with all this stuff. Is this something where you want to own your own SB Nation one day? Is this something you want to be a national writer for ESPN? And you don't have to have an answer. I always just like the, you know, kind of understanding if if there is a North Star, if there is a pie in the sky, what are you trying to shoot towards?
1: Yeah, I think um, it's not really the ownership of anything. Um, It's more of just like being a a national NBA writer or, or even just, you know, again, like I said, my two main dream jobs in terms of sports media um we're a current job that i have is, is like writing social digital media for for a team and then writing for an independent outlet like the athletic now which has grown and developed obviously or espn obviously like i said before zach lowe was my inspiration when i was kind of getting into sports writing and covering basketball and i'm sure he's obviously the inspiration for thousands of people so just saying i want to be zach lowe is you know that's like saying I want to be a, an NBA general manager, which is what I said mm-hmm. before I got into sports writing early in high school. Um, but that's kind of on the media side. Those are my two main kind of dream jobs is national or NBA writer for an independent outlet and writer for a team. And then, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I tried to keep both past sports media and sports management available. So while my resume now is exclusively media, basically, I still would love to work in a, especially in an NBA front office, cause I watch basketball the most and, and love it the most uh, working at NBA front office. Um, you know, I used to say, I wanted to be an NBA GM, obviously in the, in the, in a dream world where I can have anything, I'd probably would be that. Uh, but, you know, just being in like, you know, a scout consultation, you know, assistant GM, kind of someone who's in the meetings helping build teams is still something that interests me a lot. So trying to keep both paths open, but definitely, you know, geared more towards sports media. Cause I love analyzing, that management side and obviously love the game itself
0: yeah yeah i mean you can talk about sports management within sports media right so there's always that opportunity and hey you're in the door already right like you're in an organization i'm sure there's a couple people you can start talking to just like hey can i just can Mm -hmm. i sit in on these meetings is that cool like (laughs) just just like i'll be a fly on the wall just want to learn you know that kind of thing so i think you know you're already well on your way on on either of those and i mean shoot man it sounds like you already hit your dream job so congrats congratulations yes. right man like no one not too many people get to do that by 24 or whatever whatever year old you are um and i'm sure there's a lot more you can do and grow with and uh, you know as we said but uh, at the same time man i think it's awesome so yeah this is a uh, this is about it for me eric you were you were fantastic it's like you've done this <laughs> once or twice before how crazy yeah i know i have a little bit of podcasting experience <laughs> love it man awesome uh let's see if i can get your last name eric spiropolis Yep. Yeah, all right. Eric spiropolis digital media coordinator at Cronky Sports Digital Entertainment, sports and entertainment currently covering the Denver Nuggets and also has that book coming out soon. So when that comes out, again, just put me on the list. I'll be I'll be part of the <laughs> press junket. Really appreciate your time today, Eric. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation with Eric Spiropolis. As I said, super cool dude, has so much information. I'm really grateful I had the opportunity to talk to him and, and just understand his story and what he's done and how he's done it. I think that's that's how we learn the most. So all of the links are in the show notes. Please check them out. We even got that first article with that he wrote about Kevin McHale, which I think is really cool, and some of the other stuff along the way. Make sure to follow him on all his social medias as well. Uh, please give us a five-star review on itunes if at all or apple Podcasts, if at all possible it's super super helpful and with what we're doing and again this is my favorite thing i get to do so maybe one day i get paid to do it i'd be super happy guys so thank you all so much and i hope you make it a wonderful day yes. <laughs>